chapter eleven of finding a way out an autobiography by robert r moton war activities the important position which tuskegee had already acquired through its founder in matters affecting the interests of colored people led many persons officials and others to turn naturally in this direction for counsel concerning the attitude the negro would probably assume regarding the war and the best methods to be employed in securing his largest and best service to the nation in the conflict the question was early raised as to how he would be affected by german propaganda and whether or not he would fall an easy prey to the schemes of secret enemies of the government and allow himself to become an accomplice of spies plotters and even bomb-throwers i promptly assured all questioners that the negro's loyalty could be depended upon absolutely at this time as in the past my questioners in many instances pointed out the fact that the negro had suffered a great many injustices in this country and had long been deprived of many of the rights and privileges enjoyed by other american citizens in view of which they were very apprehensive lest he should take advantage of this situation and join the enemies of the country in order to avenge his wrongs and secure the rights and opportunities due him as a man and an american i reminded these anxious people that the negro in america had always been loyal to his country even when its acts were sometimes apparently to his disadvantage and that in this conflict he saw and appreciated the issues at stake as clearly as any other elements in our population it is sometimes surprised and even amused me to find white people worrying about the negro's americanism assuming as they probably do that because he is black he must have some subconscious and subtle attachment for some other country they forget that the negro knows no more about africa or any other country than these very same white people know about england or some other country from which their ancestors came to america as a matter of fact negroes have been in america practically as long as white people the jamestown colonists arrived only thirteen years ahead of them and the plymouth colony was founded about a year after the negro arrived it is not surprising therefore that the negro should be as intense in his americanism as any other part of our population and in truth the nation has much less to fear from the approximately twelve millions of her negro population than from many other groups whose advantages and opportunities would appear to be very much greater because of a more just attitude which our government has manifested toward them it was in this connection that i wrote president wilson as follows i have not acknowledged your very kind letter of some weeks ago a number of people of prominence have approached me with reference to the attitude the negroes would assume in case the country should go to war 
i understand also that certain high officials of the government have raised similar questions notwithstanding the difficulties which my race faces in many parts of this country some of which i called to your attention in my previous letter i am writing to assure you that you and the nation can count absolutely on the loyalty of the mass of negroes of our country and its people north and south as in previous wars will find the negro people rallying almost to a man to our flag whatever influence i may have personally or whatever service i can render in or outside of the tuskegee institute i shall be glad to put at your disposal for the service of our country the president replied my dear principal moton accept my warm thanks for your kind letter of the fifteenth of march and allow me to tell you how deeply i appreciate your generous assurances tuskegee of necessity had to be very active in every line of war work i felt that there was no better way to show the tuskegee spirit or to perpetuate the ideals of dr washington than to turn the full force of tuskegee's resources and influence to the service of our country the calls came in increasing volume but no matter what the demands were whether to give up some worker to set aside our regular routine to conduct some sort of campaign to journey a long distance to address an audience on an urgent war need or to leave the school on short notice to meet with some committee we gave freely and gladly of our time and efforts when it became apparent that in the application of the draft the negro would be expected to contribute his full quota of men to the national army the question arose as to the desirability and advisability of establishing a camp for the training of negro officers to command the negro soldiers similar to the one that had been previously established at plattsburg new york to which colored men were not being admitted the weight of tuskegee's influence was thrown into this proposal which was being strongly urged from many quarters with the result that such a camp was authorized by the war department and was established at fort des moines iowa with colonel c c ballou in command there was a fear however on the part of colored people that negro soldiers would be called upon to serve only in what was designated as service and pioneer regiments commonly known as labor units with the possible exception of the comparatively few negroes who were in the national guard regiments of several northern states and the four regiments of negro soldiers in the regular army accordingly it was urged upon the war department that in justice to the negro it was desirable to have at least one complete negro division for combat service officered throughout by colored men the hope being that colonel charles young would command it he is at present the only negro graduate of west point in the service of the regular army and his record for efficiency is among the best in his grade in this connection i was requested to come to washington for an interview with the secretary of war arriving there i was joined by mr george foster peabody and together we urged upon the secretary of war the wholesome effect which such a measure would have in strengthening the confidence of the colored people throughout the country in the purpose of the government to be impartial in its attitude toward negro soldiers 
the secretary was interviewed also by dr george w cabinets and mr f e de france and many other colored and white men of influence shortly thereafter the order was issued for the organization of the ninety-second division of the national army to be composed entirely of negro soldiers with negro officers in the line it was a great disappointment to colored people generally however that colonel young was not given the command of this division but the war department on the advice of the surgeon-general's office took the position that colonel young was physically disqualified for the service consequently the command of this division was given to general Ballou, who had been strongly in favor of such a unit it was my privilege to visit the various units of negro soldiers at many of the training camps during the progress of the war i recall with some satisfaction the two days which i spent with the one thousand two hundred men of the officers training camp at fort des moines who for the most part were students from educational institutions and professional men along with about two hundred men who had been selected from the four negro regiments of the regular army tuskegee like other institutions furnished its full quota of the men who volunteered for this training camp altogether more than forty of our men teachers graduates and students received commissions at the end of the course and most of them saw service in france i never saw a finer body of men and was particularly interested to learn from general blue that his surgeon had reported that of the one thousand two hundred men in the group only five had been found on examination to show any signs of social diseases i doubt if any other camp anywhere could show a better record in this respect than this camp of black men growing out of these and similar experiences it occurred to some of us that in view of the frequent occasions for conference with governmental officials concerning matters pertaining to colored people and their part in the successful prosecution of the war it was highly important to have in washington and preferably in the war department a wise and capable colored man who could advise the secretary in such matters as concerned the relation of negroes to the various measures set in operation for the winning of the war it was felt that in this way the government would secure the fullest cooperation of the colored people with the least amount of misunderstanding and friction in a conference to which i had been invited by secretary baker i made this proposal to him the secretary had impressed me as always desirous of being absolutely fair in all his decisions touching the interests of colored people and on this occasion it was evident that he was anxious to do anything that would effectively aid in winning the war after he had gone over the matter quite thoroughly with me he arranged that i should have an interview with president wilson in this interview the president expressed his unqualified approval of the suggestion and asked who in my judgment might acceptably fill such a place at the same time requesting me to take up the matter in detail with the secretary of war on taking up the matter with secretary baker i proposed mr emmett j scott as the man in my opinion who by his long years of contact and experience with dr washington in the handling of many delicate matters of public interest was best fitted to advise regarding the many and varied matters which were constantly arising accordingly mr scott took up the duties of 
special assistant to the secretary of war with offices at washington the trustees of the institute heartily concurring in the arrangement thereafter he rendered most valuable service to the government throughout the war and while his absence from the institute hampered considerably the working of his office in the school we were nevertheless glad to make a sacrifice which contributed so much to the effective service of the colored people in the war the school would have suffered very much more however but for the very capable way in which the work of the secretary's office was carried forward by mr albin l holsey who as secretary of the principal rendered very effective service not only in the institute but in avenues beyond the institute in connection with various lines of war activity while the matter of a representative of the colored people was under consideration government officials were in a quandary over two very important questions viz whether negro draftees should be trained in the south and whether white and colored soldiers should be quartered in the same cantonments it so happened that dr p p claxton u s commissioner of education had called a conference of colored and white men interested in negro education to meet in washington and consider various aspects of negro educational institutions as brought out by the report of the phelps stokes fund on negro schools prepared by dr thomas jesse jones and which at that time had been but recently published by the u s bureau of education it occurred to some of us that it would be wise for secretary baker to take advantage of this gathering to get the opinion and judgment of certain of these gentlemen as to the advisable course to pursue with respect to the question of the disposition of colored draftees in the cantonments accordingly he asked a group of these gentlemen to confer with him regarding the entire situation among those present were bishop george w clinton mr oswald garrison dillard dr james h dillard president john hope major allen washington commissioner t h harris of louisiana mr george foster peabody and dr j e morland it was a very illuminating conference the secretary asked for a frank expression from almost every individual present and after some discussion the sentiment of the body was happily expressed by mr harris of louisiana who told the secretary of war that he thought the best thing to do was to treat the negro soldier just as he would treat any other soldier in the united states army put him anywhere he said and exact of him the same service and mete out to him the same penalties for misbehavior that would be given to any other soldiers this in his opinion was the way to get the best results from black and white soldiers alike and to keep the morale of the country at the highest point of efficiency while the secretary did not commit himself subsequent events showed clearly that this policy was adopted by the war department and with very satisfactory results as the war progressed the problems of labor throughout the country grew more acute here too it seemed that the interests of the negroes as well as of the entire country could be best served by having in the department of labor an assistant to the secretary who would serve the department in very much the same way that mr scott was serving the war department the national league on urban condition among negroes with which i was 
connected as an officer took up the matter with the result that dr george e haynes of fisk university was asked to take up the work with the designation of director of negro economics this service of the urban league was only one of the many increasingly helpful measures set in operation by this organization in the interests of negro advancement dr haynes himself rendered very valuable service to the department as was to be expected and it was the purpose of secretary wilson to continue him in the department after the war was over but this was not possible because of the failure of congress to renew the appropriation for this branch of the service at tuskegee institute the demands of the war made serious inroads upon our staff of workers especially in lines of activity calling for efficient workers in other than military service in all such cases we were willing in spite of inconvenience to release members of our own force for such work whenever it was apparent that they could be of larger service in connection with war movements outside the institute in the production and conservation of food i felt that tuskegee should use every possible means to stimulate the colored people especially in the south to their utmost in helping the government not only by intensive and extensive methods of farming but also by putting in a full week's work instead of taking the usual saturday holiday so common in the rural districts of the south we were glad therefore to release mr e t atwell our business agent for service with the u s food administration to direct this campaign among colored people in the southern states in the same way the institute later released mr joseph l whiting head of the division of education for educational work overseas with the y m c a miss emmy suarez librarian for service with the same organization in france the rev g lake imes dean of the bible training school for service with the general wartime commission of the churches and major j b ramsey commandant for war camp community service in washington the very excellent service rendered by mr scott dr haynes mr atwell and others appointed by the government including dr c v roman in the surgeon general's department strongly suggests how short-sighted has been the policy of the government hitherto in not making use of colored men as a part of governmental machinery especially in such matters as have to do with colored people it is also true in my opinion that local government has lost much in efficiency by failing to make use of the service of strong intelligent colored men in the local community who could wisely and helpfully assist in the affairs of government among their own people i have no doubt whatever that crime among negroes would be reduced at least fifty per cent by the use of negroes as policemen and deputies where negroes reside in any considerable numbers the negro press was also found by the government to be a very helpful factor in the prosecution of the war it stood almost solidly back of such men as were appointed by the government in all of their efforts for the country's good and whatever happened they were most loyal to the government even when as was sometimes true they might have criticized with justification many of the things which took place the attitude of these publications numbering some three hundred or more 
newspapers and magazines was a very important factor in determining the attitude of negroes on many questions growing out of the war and their influence upon public sentiment among their own people is of growing importance it is very apparent that white people in the country are taking this fact more largely into account in business affairs as well as in matters of general community welfare very early in the war the government selected tuskegee institute as one of the institutions to give training along technical lines to certain groups of drafted men who in contingents of three hundred and eight men each were to be sent here for two months training the first contingent arrived on may fifteenth nineteen eighteen and the training of these men continued until october one when the last contingent was absorbed into the student army training corps in all we trained and issued certificates under government direction to one thousand two hundred and twenty nine of these men most of them were sent overseas where they were able to apply the technical knowledge received at tuskegee institute we received many letters from these men after they went overseas telling how the training had helped them along with these direct contributions of men and equipment went the enthusiastic cooperation of the entire institute community in the work of the red cross and the various liberty loan and thrift stamp drives as well as loyal adherence to the wishes of the food administration on the second of december nineteen eighteen at the request of president wilson and secretary of war newton d baker i went to france to look into conditions affecting negro soldiers many of whom were undergoing hardships of one kind and another secretary baker said that he and president wilson felt that my going to france would be encouraging to the men and that the presence and words of a member of their own race would be particularly helpful in view of all the circumstances under which they were serving the nation at the same time inviting me to make any suggestions that might in my judgment help the situation in spite of pressing matters in connection with the institute i felt that it was the school's duty to do anything possible to help our negro soldiers and decided to make the trip while in france i visited nearly every point where negro soldiers were stationed at most of them i spoke to the men and at each place i was most cordially welcomed by the officers and men i also had the privilege of conferring with colonel e m house bishop brent senior chaplain of the american expeditionary forces general pershing and many other high officials of the american and french governments all of whom i consulted with reference to the record which had been made by negro troops and received only words of very highest praise and commendation on their character and conduct in all branches of the service during the late summer and early fall of nineteen eighteen there were a great many rumors in and outside of official circles in this country to the effect that morally the negro soldier in france had failed and that the statement sometimes made that the negro is controlled by brutal instincts was justified the report was current in france that the unmentionable crime was very common and according to the rumors negro officers as well as privates in all branches and grades of the service were guilty of this crime a letter i saw that had been written by a lady overseas to another lady 
in the united states stated that the writer had been told by the colonel of a certain unit whose guest she was that he would not feel it safe for her to walk even with him through his camp of negro soldiers another letter from a high official in a very important position with the negro troops overseas written unofficially to a prominent official on this side stated that in the ninety second division alone there had recently been at least thirty cases of the unmentionable crime another rumor equally prevalent and damaging was to the effect that the fighting units which were commanded by negro officers had been a failure in other words the whispering gallery which was very active in france on most phases of life overseas said that the ninety second division in which the negroes of america took special pride had failed utterly that wherever they had been engaged the negro officers had gone to pieces that in some cases the men had to pull themselves together for after their officers had shown the white feather and other statements of similar import i went to france with authority to go anywhere and get any information from any source so far as the american expeditionary force was concerned it so happened that i went on the steamer assigned to the newspaper correspondents a steamer which was one of the convoy ships for the president's party on which dr w e b du bois editor of the crisis was also a passenger mr lester a walton of the new york age mr nathan hunt of tuskegee together with dr du bois and myself occupied the same very comfortable stateroom we had many frank and pleasant talks both on the ship and in paris where we occupied opposite rooms in the same hotel the subject that we discussed most often was of course some phase of the negro question always with a view to helping the situation i was accompanied on the trips out from paris as well as at many interviews in paris by two colored and two white men one white newspaper man mr client r miller of the cleveland plain dealer and mr lester a walton of the new york age i also asked to go with me dr thomas jesse jones of the united states bureau of education and the phelps stokes foundation and mr nathan hunt of tuskegee institute i realized that the mission was a delicate one and that questions which i might ask and the things which i would say might probably be misunderstood or misinterpreted my purpose however was to get at the facts and to stop untruthful rumours in order to ascertain the facts i made extended inquiries of all those with whom i came in contact i asked many questions with relation to the conduct and character of the coloured soldiers as compared with other soldiers when i reached general headquarters of the american expeditionary force i found that a few days before my arrival a young white soldier had been sentenced to be hanged for the unmentionable crime but because of his previous good record in every other way the sentence was finally commuted to life imprisonment the opinion at general headquarters was that the crime to which i have referred was no more prevalent among colored than among white or any other soldiers from chaumont we went immediately to marbache the headquarters of the ninety second division i asked the general then in command of this division about the prevalence of the crime in question 
he said that it was very prevalent and that there had been a great many cases over which he was very much disturbed this statement was corroborated by conversation with two of his white staff officers who were present i courteously asked if he would mind having one of his aides get the records i said that i thought general statements were often very damaging and that inasmuch as the reputation of a race was at stake i was very anxious to get the facts in order to make an accurate report and if possible to stop the damaging rumors which were becoming more and more prevalent in america and were already prevalent in france especially among americans including military circles the young men's christian association the red cross and other organizations when the records were brought in and examined seven cases where this crime had been charged were found in the entire division of more than twelve thousand of these charged only two had been found guilty and convicted and one of the two convictions had been turned down at general headquarters in other fighting units as well as the units of the service of supply at bordeaux st nazaire and brest and other places i made the same investigations i interviewed american and french commanding officers i talked as well with scores of american and french officials of lower rank when the records were taken as with the ninety second division the number of cases charged was very few and the number of convictions fewer still i likewise took much time with certain members of the peace conference and with americans engaged in various branches of war activity in an effort to disprove and set at rest this awful slander upon the negro race i spared no pains or effort to do this and it would appear from subsequent investigations on this side of the water and from reports which have come to me from overseas that the momentum of these damaging rumours perceptibly lessened there was apparently no doubt in anybody's mind in france so far as i was able to find out among the french or the americans as to the excellent qualities of the american negro as a soldier when led by white officers there was also little question about the fighting record of four negro regiments the three hundred and sixty ninth three hundred and seventieth three hundred and seventy first and three hundred and seventy second which had been brigaded with french divisions but when it came to the ninety second division there was a subtle and persistent rumour in paris and in other places in france apparently substantiating the rumour which was prevalent in america only in france it was much more generally accepted as true namely that negro officers had been practically a failure and that it was a mistake ever to have attempted to form a division with negroes as officers i took a great deal of pains and care as did also the gentlemen with me to run down every rumour we spent much time in and out of paris ferreting out every statement that came from the whispering gallery we finally found that so far as the ninety second division was concerned only a very small detachment of a single battalion of one regiment had failed later in talking with general pershing in france regarding this story of the failure of negro officers he said that the probabilities were that any officers white or black under the same adverse circumstances 
that these men faced would have failed a few officers of the battalion were sent before a court-martial for a trial for having shown cowardice not all of them however were found guilty and since then these cases have been reviewed by the war department and the president on the recommendation of the secretary of war has disapproved the proceedings involving the four officers of the three hundred and sixty eighth infantry convicted by court-martial abroad after thorough investigation the war department issued the following statement with regard to this one battalion of the three hundred and sixty eighth regiment the three hundred and sixty eighth regiment had not had battle experience prior to its assignment to the french brigade it was expected to operate as a liaison organization maintaining contact with combat forces on either side but not itself as an attacking force in the development of the battle it became necessary to use the regiment in attack the ground over which the three hundred and sixty eighth regiment advanced was extremely difficult it had been fought over and fortified for four years and consisted of a dense belt of intricate barbed wire through which in four years underbrush had grown concealing the wire and making any advance most difficult the section in which the regiment was engaged developed at times intense shell machine and rifle fire and subjected those troops to a severe test the regiment was not fully supplied with wire cutters maps signalling devices this was in part due to the fact that the troops were serving at the time with the french from whom the supply was finally received the delay being caused doubtless by the hurried movement of the regiment and the assumption on the part of the french that it would be supplied from american depots and on the part of the americans that it would be supplied by the french with whom it was serving a misunderstanding explained only by the confusion and emergencies of battle it was gratifying even then to find that the commanding general who knew all phases of the affair did not take this failure nearly so seriously as the rumour about it seemed to suggest the facts in the case in no sense justified the common report in talking with the commanding general at le mans i referred to the fact that something like fifteen negro officers had been sent back as inefficient he said to me if it is of any comfort to you i will tell you this we sent back through blois to america in six months an average of one thousand white officers a month who failed in one way or another in this awful struggle i hope dr moton he added that you won't lose your faith in my race because of this and certainly i'm not going to lose my faith in your race because of the record of a few colored officers who failed we talked with colonel house mr ray stannard baker captain walter lippman leading y m c a workers and many others all assured me that they were glad to get the facts and that so far as they were able they would stop the slanderous rumors concerning our negro soldiers i spoke to white officers in a number of places at one place to two hundred of them and candidly stated the facts in the case i raised the question if they did not think it was a good and fair thing to stop this rumor of the whispering gallery which was defaming a race which threatened to cut down the efficiency of negro troops and was of course putting america 
in a bad light before the world many of the difficulties and troubles among the officers and men of the ninety second division as well as other colored units could have been avoided if we had had at general headquarters in france a colored man to render the same wise dignified and efficient help as mr emmett j scott secretary of tuskegee institute so splendidly rendered in the war department at washington to both the race and the nation president john hope of morehouse college atlanta georgia who under many and trying conditions had done excellent work overseas in connection with the y m c a felt this need very much general pershing would gladly have had such a man if it had previously occurred to any of us to suggest it in almost every instance i found the commanding officers open to suggestions with a view to relieving the needless embarrassment of the colored soldiers i found in the service of supply that colored stevedores were working twelve and sixteen hours a day and sometimes more which made it impossible for the y m c a to do any effective work along educational lines with the thousands of colored soldiers in this branch of the service i took this matter up with the commanding general and within three days orders had been given to reduce the time of work to eight hours at several places the quarters of the colored men seemed unfavorably located in various instances changes were soon made i took up with care also going to the source of the trouble the matter of excluding colored women from france here again i found that there seemed to be no justification for the general exclusion of women of our race from overseas service this i took up with the proper authorities military and otherwise and before i left arrangements had been made to send for more of our colored women and men also the best y m c a hut i saw from every point of view was the one where mrs w a hunton mrs j l curtis and miss catherine johnson were located there was here a very fine spirit of cooperation between the white and colored workers mr wallace the manager of the district whom i later met in paris was warm in his praise of secretary nichols secretary whiting chaplain oval tree and other colored workers i took the opportunity wherever it presented itself to speak to our men about the splendid record which they were making and of the danger that would attend any failure on their part to maintain their record untarnished i said the record you have made in this war of faithfulness bravery and loyalty has deepened my faith in you as men and as soldiers as well as in my race and country you have been tremendously tested you have suffered hardships and many privations you have been called upon to make many sacrifices your record has sent a thrill of joy and satisfaction to the hearts of millions of black and white americans rich and poor high and low black mothers and wives sweethearts fathers and friends have rejoiced with you and with our country in your record you will go back to america heroes as you really are you will go back as you have carried yourselves over here in a straightforward manly and modest way if i were you i would find a job as soon as possible and get to work to those who have not already done so i would suggest that you get hold of a piece of land and a home as soon as possible and marry and settle down 
save your money and put it into something tangible i hope no one will do anything in peace to spoil the magnificent record you have made in war in the same way i took advantage of many opportunities to speak to white soldiers officers and men about their duty to their colored comrades who were sharing with them the hardships of the war i said in my talk these black soldiers officers and men have with you willingly and gladly placed their lives at the disposal of their country not only to make the world safe for democracy but of equal importance to make democracy safe for mankind black and white you and they go back to america as heroes brave and modest of course but there is a difference you go back without let or hindrance with every opportunity our beloved country offers open to you you are heirs of all the ages god has never given any race more than he has given to you the men of my race who return will have many unnecessary hardships and limitations along many lines what a wonderful opportunity you have therefore and what a great responsibility for you to go back to america resolve that so far as in your power lies you are going to see that these black men and the twelve millions of people whom they represent in our great country who have stood so loyally by you and america in peace and in war shall have a fair and absolutely equal chance with every other american citizen along every line this is your sacred obligation and duty they ask only fair play and as loyal american citizens they should have it i cannot conclude without again mentioning the heroic record of all of our men in france especially the negro officers who in spite of hardships and discrimination from sources which should have accorded them much encouragement went into battle with dash courage and an absolutely unshaken and undisturbed morale i do not believe that men of any other race under similarly trying circumstances could have retained more self-possession and made a more glorious record than did our negro soldiers officers and men i am glad that most of those from tuskegee institute have returned and taken up their work as before we cherish however the memory of lieutenant henry h boger one of our teachers who with many other brave americans sleeps beneath the sacred soil of france before leaving france for london president wilson sent me the following letter paris january one nineteen nineteen dear principal moton i wish to express my appreciation for the service you have rendered during the past few weeks in connection with our colored soldiers here in france i have heard not only of the wholesome advice you have given them regarding their conduct during the time they will remain in france but also of your advice as to how they should conduct themselves when they return to our own shores i very much hope as you have advised that no one of them may do anything to spoil the splendid record that they with the rest of our american forces have made cordially and sincerely yours woodrow wilson End of chapter 11